good day, people of hope. Yeah, let's put our hands together because we love life. We love eternal life. We love abundant life. And we're just so thrilled to be here. Better try that again because I didn't get too much response. When you sit on the other side of the church, it totally throws me off. Don't be moving seats like that. I was just fooling around. It's so good to be here at Hope. Okay, very, okay. Just, just war, I guess warming up, I guess. Early crowd warming up. If we haven't met before, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're just glad that you're here. And your father, your heavenly father, is thrilled to have you in the living room of his family. And we're together. I do want you to know, if you've been praying and believing, and uh, I want you to especially pray for the Bechtel family. Early this morning, Nancy Bechtel made her transition from this world into the next world. Beautiful woman of God, please be praying for Dawn, and we'll let you know the details as they become available, but I do want you today to say a special prayer for John, for her kids, and for her family. Please keep that in prayer. Also, today we are kicking off a new series, uh, Defining the Church, looking at what the church should be looking at the DNA of the church, and particularly the DNA of this church family, the DNA of hope. Uh, So as we're defining the church, I just opened up and Googled, and I just put church defined. And uh, here's the first thing that came up. A building used for public Christian worship. That is a terrible definition. But it's the first definition. The number one definition. I think if we're going to define the church, we should look to the founder of the church. And when the founder of the church talked about the church, it had literally nothing to do with buildings. And it had everything to do with people. In fact, he says to Peter one day, he says, Peter, um, I'm so glad that you know that I am the Messiah, the Christ. And I want you to know that on this rock... I'm going to build my church. And Jesus did build a church. But he never built a building. He built the church. And he says, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. A few things just to note from that. It's his church, not my church, not your church. This place belongs to Jesus. When people ask what kind of church is hope, we always say, tell them it's a Jesus church because it doesn't belong to us anyway. It's his church. And also know, that hell hates the church. There's a spiritual battle that goes on. Hell hates the church, but hell is on the losing side. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus used the word that's translated church, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia, or ecclesia, however you say it, ekklesia comes from two root words, to call and to call out from or to. So here's literally what Jesus was saying. It's not about a building. The church is a group of people, not a building, the group of people who have been called out from the world and called to the Lord. Called out from the world system of thinking, believing, and acting, and called to a brand new life. When you connect with God, you connect with a brand new way of living. 
You've left the old behind. You've been called out from an old way. And today you're here to take a new step, another step in your transformation to being all the Lord wants you to be. We're called to the Lord. And that's what we're called to. Away from one thing and to something else. And um, Jesus uh, values certain things. So if the church is called to the Lord in this series, we want to look at the things that the Lord values, because we're called to him, the things that the Lord values, and we want to value the things that he values. And what we're looking at today as we kick this series off is that Jesus, the Lord of the church, that we're called to, Jesus, the Lord of the church, well, he values love. And today we're going to talk about loving like Jesus as a value of the church. As we define the church, it should be a people who gather in a place. We are in a building. We are a people who gather in a place that are absolutely dedicated to love. In fact, Jesus defined the whole Bible with these words, love the Lord your God, love the people around you, and love the life that God has given to you. Love God, love the neighbor around you, and love that neighbor as you love the life that God has given to you. In fact, Jesus was so insistent that his people, the people that are called out from the world and to the Lord, that the people of his church would be people of love, that he doesn't give it as an option. He says love is a commandment. It's not like, well, I'll, have, um, I'll, I'll come to church, but I'm not going to be a loving person. Jesus, no, no, I want this to be very clean. Not, it's not a suggestion. How many know there's a difference between a suggestion and a commandment? Uh, your mother will explain the difference between those two. A commandment. He says, okay, I'm going to give this as a commandment to my people. It's going to be a new commandment. And here's my commandment. You must be loving people. When my church gets together, when my people get together, you must love. And here's the standard of love. And here's what we're looking at today. You've got to love like I love. Love one another as I have loved you. And we're going to be looking today at how Jesus loves. Because we want to measure our love to his love. And he says, this is how people know that you are my followers. This is how people know you're in the church. If you love each other and love people the way that Jesus loves. He says, nothing about, well, they'll know you're a church if you get together in the building on the weekend. Now, we're glad you're here. Because this is a place where we come and we're recharged and we're transformed and we grow in our faith so that we can go out there and live our faith. But he says, when you come together, this should be a center that literally vibrates with the presence of Jesus. And the presence of Jesus is a loving presence. So today, we'd like everyone to make a new dedication, a fresh commitment to love like Jesus. Because that's what he said, love like I love. So the question of the day is, well, how does Jesus love? If we're supposed to love like Jesus, how does Jesus love? And I'm so glad you asked that question. There's a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 10. You can open your Bible if you've got it there or your device or your, get your notes out. Luke chapter 10, a lawyer comes up and asks Jesus, a question. 
And he says, uh, Lord, I want to know how to connect with God. I want to know how to connect with eternal life. I want to know how to connect with the kingdom of God that you've been talking about. How do I inherit? How do I receive eternal life? And uh, Jesus has summarized all of Scripture with these words, and the lawyer had probably heard him say this. And so the answer comes back, well, here's, here, here's how you connect. You love God with everything you have, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. That's pretty much everything. Love God. Love your neighbor. So love others as you love yourself. We sum it up around here by saying love God, love people, and love the life that God gives to you. But the lawyer did what lawyers are famous for. Well, some lawyers. Well, a lot of them. I don't know. Lawyers, there are good lawyers, because if you need one, you want a good one. There are mediocre lawyers, and there are bad lawyers. But you know, maybe you've heard this or read about it somewhere, sometimes lawyers look for loopholes. So, so they'll, they'll, he heard the answer, and this lawyer was, was thinking like a lawyer and said, uh, there's got to be a loophole here. Uh, he's... So who are, who, okay, let's define what the word neighbor means. What I'm trying to figure out, Lord, is who are the people that I don't need to love? Could we define that so I will know the ones that I'm supposed to love and the ones I don't have to love? And to answer that question, Jesus tells a very famous story. Maybe you know it. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan is a story that answers this question. Is there a loophole to love? That's the question. That's what the lawyer's looking for. Well, who do I have to love? And Jesus tells a story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, a very well-known road passageway in Jesus' day, about 18 miles long. Uh, it's a very steep decline. It descends about three thousand three hundred feet in those 18 miles so it's down down doobie doobie down 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 and it's twisty and it's crooked and there's rocks and there's deserted places and it was known as a dangerous road and he says as this man was traveling from jerusalem to jericho sure enough he got mugged and that's no fun if you've ever been mugged it's a terrible experience he was mugged, and he was left for, by these robbers who mugged him, he was left for half dead. Now, this is very important to the story. He was left for half dead. When you're half dead, you don't know which way you're going to go. You're right on the bubble. You're halfway there, but halfway not there. You're half dead. And then he says, as the man was laying there on the side of the road, half dead, along came a priest. And the priest saw the man on the side of the road, but he passed by. He didn't have anything to do with the man who was hurt on the side of the road. A little later, a little later on in the story, a Levite, another religious man, because all priests were Levites. And if you were a Levite that wasn't a priest, you at least helped the priests in the worship. These were religious guys, people that should have known <laughs> you should be loving they, Levite, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. 
What a meeting. Even the guitars are going down under the power of God. <laughs> I, I hope it's okay. That's my real thought is hope it's okay. We'll see if it works at the end of the service. But the Samaritan saw the man on the side of the road, laying there in great distress. And the Samaritan said, I must do something. I can't just leave that guitar on the side of the road. So the Samaritan, come on, just give me a little bit of encouragement, just a little bit, because I am going to go rescue And he picked up the man on the side of the road, and he put him on his animal. And he says, whatever it costs, I'll fix it. In that story, Jesus is teaching all of us, I want you to see how I love people. And there are three principles. There's a lot of principles to loving like Jesus, but if you get these three principles, you will love people like Jesus does. And here are the three principles that come out of this story that show us, as Jesus tries to explain how he loves people, the first thing is this I want to talk about. We love like Jesus when we love unconditionally. We love unconditionally, because the story he tells has two characters in the story that had conditional love. They came up with reasons. We don't even know the thinking they had, but they developed some thinking, some beliefs, some values that said, I can see someone who's in need, but there's some condition I have in my heart that is allowing me to not love that fallen brother, that neighbor. Now, the religious priest, we don't know exactly what he was thinking, but he could have been worried about lifting the man up, or the man was half dead. And the priests had a religious law that they could not touch anyone who was dead. So if he helped this man who was half dead, and he went the wrong way, he kept getting deader and deader and deader, and eventually died, and he was in contact with him, he would be uh, unable to function as a priest. He would have to go through an elaborate cleansing ceremony that took a week over a, a week. It took a week long for him to go through the cleansing. And if he was on his way to the temple in Jerusalem, he wouldn't be able to do his duty. And so he came up, maybe this was it, he came up with a condition that said, I don't have to love at this point. The Levite came by, and we don't know what he was thinking, but he came up with some conditions for his love. Uh, I could be loving to you if it wasn't such a dangerous area. I could be loving towards you if, um, if, if I didn't suspect that maybe you're part of a plot to mug me. Maybe you're uh, a shill. Maybe you're a con man. You're pretending to be half dead, but you're not really. And when I come over to help you, you're going to grab me, and your buddies are going to jump out from behind the rocks, and I am going to be mugged. He came up with some conditions to not love. Now, I don't know the people in your life, but when you're unloving towards anyone, it's because you've come up with a condition. 
And, and Jesus would like us as his followers to remove all conditions. Let me say it like this. There are no loopholes to love. In fact, if you have your study guide, I'd like you to uh, get it out. And I'd like you to look at this scripture. And I'd like you to get, do some pen work with me. Because Jesus is removing conditions for love here. Um, he says, okay, here's how it is. Uh, anyone who hears, you should love your enemies. And if you've got a pen, I want you to take your pen and I want you to scratch out the word enemies. Remove that as a condition for love. He says, listen, if someone is your enemy, guess what? Love them unconditionally. Come on, help me a little bit. Would you just say unconditionally? But they're my enemy. I'd love you if you weren't my enemy. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You have to remove that condition. He says, if, the, if they hate you, take a pen, take it out on your study guide, write. You could scratch it right out in your Bible. That would be dramatic. He's removing the condition of hatred. Just put an X right through it. That's a, that condition is gone. I cannot hold that condition. He says, even if you hate me, I'm still going to be loving. He removes another condition. Even if they curse you, take your pen out. Some of you are not doing this because you think you have, can have conditions. I'm removing them because Jesus removes them, and I'm just trying to teach you. You want to love like Jesus? This is a deep love. This is a love you can only have if you are filled with the Spirit of Jesus. You can't love like this without Jesus. People curse you. People talk about you behind your back. People tell stories about you. People are gossiping about you at work. Even if they speak badly about you, that's not a condition. And lastly, even if they have abused you. Wow. Now, when we talk about unconditional love, we are not justifying the person that you choose to love in spite of themselves. Let me say it like this. When you love someone unconditionally, you accept them as someone that God loves, but you don't necessarily agree with everything that's going on in their world. You hear that? That's very important. Because sometimes we feel we have to agree with someone before we can accept them. No, no. The family of God loves people unconditionally, which means we love you just like you are. We love you. Now, we don't agree with everything going on in your life. There's numbers of people. This church has everything from soup to nuts. Some nuts more than soup. But even if you're a nut, we love you. And we accept you. You are welcome to come here. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything going on in your life. Jesus loved the Pharisees. He loved the Sadducees. But he didn't agree with their legalistic, unloving way of ruling people and beating them down. He didn't agree with that. And he challenged them on that. So we accept people as beloved of God. But we don't agree with everything. If there's something in their life that doesn't line up with God's word, we don't accept that, but we still, we still, we don't agree with that, but we still love that person. We love them unconditionally. How many know that's hard? How many know to do that, we need the power of God? And so today we just want to open our heart to the power of God to love unconditionally because the Samaritan came along and he had a lot of reasons he shouldn't have loved 
Jesus chose the Samaritan for a specific reason. There was a lot of ethnic racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They had nothing to do with each other. And the Samaritan could have had all kinds of conditions not to love that person, but he, he reaches across the racial, social, uh, ethnic issues, and he says, I'm going to love you, I'm going to help you unconditionally. And that's what Jesus says. This is how we learn to love one another, unconditionally. The second truth that comes out of this story is that when Jesus loves people, he loves them purposely. There's a purpose. When the Samaritan loved the man on the side of the road, it was for a purpose. It had an objective. It had a goal. And the goal was the health and healing and strengthening of the man who was in trouble. The Bible says that the good Samaritan was moved with compassion. He went over to the man. He bound up his wounds. He poured on the oil and the wine. And for you Bible students, symbols of the Holy Spirit the oil and the wine. He put him on his own animal. He brought him to the inn and he took care of him. He actually said to the innkeeper, whatever it costs to care for this man, that's what I'm in for. I want him to get whole and be healed. And when we love people unconditionally, it's not just so we can have kumbaya. Oh, just love, 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 love. That's good, love, love, love. But we're loving them so that the wounds of their life would be healed. If they're far away from God, we are loving them into the kingdom of God. We are loving them until they come to recognize Jesus as who he said he was, the king of all kings. We, if they're bruised and broken and bound up by sin or by habits, we love them like they are, but we don't leave them like they are. We love them with a purpose of seeing them healed and whole. So when we reach out to people, when we love them like they are, it's to see them get better. So never forget that. When you're loving people, it's not just to have kumbaya. It's to see them healed in their life. That's the very purpose of God. That's why he loves humanity. That's why he loves you. That's why he loves me. That's why he loves every single person in our community. God loves you more than you know he loves you, and he loves our world more than we could ever imagine. Here's how Jesus says it, a verse we reflect on frequently. For God so loved the world, everyone in the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever, listen, whoever, I am not in the camp that says God is selective in his love, that he selects a group of people and loves them, but ignores another section. I believe that God loves the whole world, so whoever, whoever on the planet would feel the drawing presence of Christ, whoever would would respond, whoever would believe, just like the scripture says, whoever would believe in Jesus, you don't have to perish, but you get eternal life. We love them so that they could receive eternal life just like God. The purpose of love is not to condemn the world. God sent his son not to condemn the world, How many know you can't condemn somebody and love them at the same time? You can talk about their behavior, but always affirm them as a child of God. Always let them know God sees something in you that's so valuable that he gave his only son for you. He loves you more than you are. Now, you may have some behaviors that are nutty, 
I'm not in line with God's word. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction challenges you to change. Condemnation makes you feel bad for the sake of feeling bad. There's a difference there. But God's love is not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through the message and the love and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason. So let me just say thank you, thank you, thank you to those last weekend when we had a special week of it and emphasizing inviting friends and giving out cards, 40 cards, 40 invitations. Not everyone came, but that's okay. That's okay. Because as we love people, we love them. And we leave the results to God. But we love them. You you plant seeds. Someone else comes along and waters that seed. Someone else comes along and sees the harvest. But you gave out 40 plus invitations. God bless you for that. And, And last weekend, because so many people invited friends, last weekend... We had over 50 new families, not individuals, 50 new families that came and were part of the experience of God's gospel here. Come on. We can put our hands towards that. We can affirm that. How about this? We can affirm the 63 decisions that were made for Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) Because that's the purpose. We love. We love. Love them like they are unconditional love, and the purpose is to see their lives healed. So we love unconditionally. Everybody say unconditionally. We love purposefully, and we love mercifully. Let me unpack this so you can get, have some practice. This is the practical part of love. So Jesus comes to the end of the story, and he, um, he questions the lawyer who questioned him and says, now, which of these three... do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? Now, if you get the story right, you understand that what Jesus is saying is that anyone who's hurting and anyone who is in trouble is our neighbor. That's that's a big part of the story. You can't miss that. But then he turns and asks the lawyer because he's he's trying to jar the lawyer to transformation and to change. The lawyer was a Jewish man, could have been a Levite, a a scholar in the law, could have been. Maybe that's why he used these illustrations, to jar him, to transform him, to shake him out of the state he was in. But he says, okay, now which one? Now watch the answer of the attorney. Watch that the attorney doesn't even use the word Samaritan. Jesus says it was, the, the typical answer would have been, well, the answer is the Samaritan. He doesn't, he, he's still struggling with this. He doesn't even use the word Samaritan in his answer. He says, well, it was the one. Not going to say his name. Do you know that one? That, that guy, that guy, that, I can't believe you made the Samaritan the hero of his story. You know that one, that unsuspecting one, that unlikely one, that one, that one who showed mercy. Everyone say Mercy. And Jesus says, okay, now here's what I want you to do. You want to go out from this place and love people the way Jesus does? Show mercy. Now, mercy is, sometimes people don't know how to love. Well, how can I I love everyone? It's not rocket science. This word mercy is a word of revelation. The word mercy literally means to show kindness 
or goodness to someone in trouble. That's mercy. To show kindness or goodness to someone in trouble. So when the Bible says in the Hebrew Scriptures that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, that means every time you get in trouble, God has mercy for you. That's good news right there. And then he said, now I want you to do the same thing. So it's not too hard. In fact, I would say that, that love, in many ways to define love, but as we look at it in this context of mercy, j- just ask yourself, how can I show kindness to somebody who needs it? Words of kindness, actions of kindness, random acts of kindness. Just how can I, and, and give, out, give out kindness. Just give, don't worry about if you love them or not. Well, I don't know if I love them. C.S. Lewis, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, you you should read Mere Christianity. And there's a section in there where C.S. Lewis gets just brilliant on this one. C.S. Lewis says, don't waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you do. Don't worry. Well, do I love him? I don't know if I have love. Just do it. Act as if you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets When you behave as if you love someone, you presently come to love them. Be kind. Give kindness. If you injure someone you dislike, you find yourself disliking them more. Isn't that true? If you are revengeful, it only feeds the feelings of dislike. If you do good to a person, in turn, you'll find yourself disliking them less. Be kind. Jesus says it like this, lay down your life. Here's his definition. Lay down your life. The church is a a group of people that are called out from the world to follow the example of Jesus and to love like Jesus, which is how can I lay down my life? It's why the cross is the symbol of our faith. The cross is a, a, a symbol of incredible love where Jesus laid down his life and then he calls us to lay down our life as well. Imagine, imagine a church that that loved everyone that came in here unconditionally. Imagine if people felt when they came into this place and into this space, or when they came to your home, or when they came to your small group, they came to your connect group. Imagine if they felt like they were accepted. Maybe not agreed with, but accepted. And loved unconditionally. Imagine as As we love them unconditionally, we have this purpose in this prayer in the back of our mind where we are wanting them to connect with the kingdom of God, the love of God, the healing of God, and our prayer is constantly that we're loving you unconditionally and we're praying that you get whole and healed. Imagine a place where that's our constant prayer. And imagine a place where every day we're just wondering, what can I give kindness How can I share kindness? When I go home today, how can I be kind? What action of kind? And when you sow kindness, you reap joy. Just think, has has anyone ever been kind to you? An action of kindness. How does it make you feel? It increases your joy. So when you give love, when you show kindness, you produce joy. It's like sowing kindness, reaping joy joy. It produces joy in the heart of the person that receives kindness, but it does something else. It produces joy in your own heart. So you get multiplication of joy. 
Don't you find that? When you give love, when you show kindness, doesn't it do something in your soul? Sure it does. You go, oh, I feel that too. And if you give kindness to someone that is affected by a family, the whole family feels joy. And when people hear your story, they feel joy. So when you sow love and kindness, there's just joy growing up all over the place. That's what Jesus is talking about. Quit looking for a loophole not to love. Let that go. Let that loophole go and love like Jesus, unconditionally, purposefully, mercifully. Love like Jesus and leave the results to God. Give out 40 invitations, leave the results with God. Every invitation you gave out was an act of love. Every invitation was an act of overcoming your fear and just saying, hey, you know what? I'd like to invite you to something. Every time you invite people to church to come into this building, which is just the place that holds the church, they can experience the life-transforming power of the oil and the wine, the Holy Spirit that's being poured out in this room right now, and it's trying to heal your life, and it's trying to heal everyone's life, and the Holy Spirit is here to do that. Just love, love and leave the results to God. It was a year ago, uh, on a Saturday evening, we have a, uh, a summit group, a church of young adults that gathers together called The Summit, part of our fellowship. And at The Summit, there's a beautiful young man that comes named Ryan. And he comes in a wheelchair because his legs have never worked his whole life. His whole life they've never worked. And about a year ago, they said, Pastor, we would like to uh, uh, anoint Ryan. We'd like to pray over him. We'd like to believe God for a miracle. I said, well, we are miracle people. We believe in miracles. So let's do it, but let's do it in a loving way. We never want to embarrass somebody. We never want to say to someone that's looking for a miracle, if you only had more faith, you'd get out of that wheelchair. That's, that's unkind. That's not loving. We want to affirm God's love for him, and, we want to, and they gathered around, and they prayed for Ryan. And Ryan felt the love of God. He felt the love of the community. He didn't get out of the wheelchair. Well, we would, we would love, we love, like all, here's how healing comes. You know my philosophy on healing. It all comes sooner or later. Like eventually Ryan in heaven is not going to have that wheelchair. That's later. I like sooner, but I'll, I'll live with later. If, if that, uh, God knows stuff I don't know. But he posts this this week. Ryan posts this this week. Okay, this is a year from when, a year from when uh, he was prayed over. So he puts this Facebook page that post that really got my attention. Hey, everybody, I have some really big news. And I'm only going to say it one time. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I have made it through one full year infection-free as of today. I'm really excited Here's to many more. Love people and leave the results to God. Just love them. You'd be surprised how many people would receive prayer if you'd offer prayer. Hey, could I pray for you? About 9 out of 10 people, when I say, hey, could I pray for you? About 9 out of 10 people say, yeah, that's, I'd like that. And one of the great things, when I pray for people, I said, Lord, may this person know how much you love them a little bit more than they do right now. And may I be used as a channel of your love. May I love people unconditionally. May every bit of prejudice, every bit of any, anything that I think I have that I don't have to love someone, may that go so that I can love like Jesus unconditionally. Lord, deliver me from all loopholes. I don't, they don't exist. 
And Lord, may I love people with a purpose of seeing them whole and healed. And may I always sow kindness that I may reap joy in this place. In Jesus' name. And the world will be just a great place. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. We can put our hand. We can affirm that. Come on, glory to God. We love you. Glory to God. So let's, uh, in this, the oil and the wine, the presence of the Spirit is here. and Let's just close our eyes for a few moments of prayer. You know what I'd be praying right now? I'd be praying that the love of God would be poured upon you right now. You may have come in to church and you feel spiritually half dead or you feel spiritually all dead. Well, we're here to love you. We're here to love you like Jesus loves you. Not to play games, not to pretend everything's okay, to be honest and say, hey, we love you no matter what. You say, well, if you knew my story. No, no, no. I've heard every weird story you can imagine. I've had some people I had a hard time loving that I had to have transformation in my own soul, but the love of God has done that. When I got to that section, when I was studying this message, and I said, love your enemies, I was, I was wondering if I had any. And if I've got them, I'm sure going to love them. I couldn't, think, I couldn't think of enemies. So I want the love of God to fill this place, and the person of that love is Jesus. He's the personification. When the Bible says God is love, Jesus is the personification of that love. And we want to pray a prayer of invitation. As we pray this prayer, we're going to keep our eyes closed and our hearts wide open. We're all going to stand together, and our prayer team is going to come to the altar with me here. The rest of us have our eyes closed, and we're going to pray this prayer out loud. Let's just pray. God loves to hear your voice. It's a prayer of grace and forgiveness, and it's a prayer of receiving God's love. So let's pray out loud this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I open my heart to Jesus Christ. Come into the center of my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I repent of my sins. I leave them behind. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your love. May I love people like I've never loved them before. Give me your love for people. Help me to see people through your eyes. And help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's put our hands together. We're just going to affirm that prayer. Now, you're here and you're making a commitment to Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time, please come and tell one of our prayer partners. In a moment as we begin to sing, just tell them, hey, I prayed with Scott. Something brand new in my life. Our prayer team is also here to just pray for whatever needs you have, physical, spiritual, emotional need. They're here to pray with you. And as they're praying, if you'd like to receive Holy Communion, which is a way of communing with Jesus and receiving Jesus and remembering Jesus as he asks us to. There's communion at the left-hand side and the right-hand side. And you'd be more than welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion. 
We want you to know that we love you and God loves you. If you are here for the first time, we love you. You may not know that, we love you. We believe that God has a calling on your life and a purpose for your life, and we want to see that fulfilled. So we want to be part of that. You're, as you come back and fellowship with us and grow in hope and in faith and in love, we just believe God has an amazing life for you. If you are new to the fellowship and you've never stopped by our, our VIP room, you are a VIP, and we'd love you to do that before you left over there on the left-hand side. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And after this prayer, there's no other benediction. The worship team is going to just start to lift up the Lord. You can do that. You are more than welcome to come and receive prayer. There's a miracle in this house, and it has your name on it. If you have a need, we pray big prayers to a big God, and we believe in his power. If you want to receive communion, we just pray blessing on the bread and the cup of the Lord as we remember Jesus and we come to receive communion. We pray over our prayer team that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will just flow, words of prophecy and ministry of healing and, and ministry of helps, just to help people, be kind to them. We pray over people that are making a commitment to Jesus Christ this day. May they grow in their faith. May they get baptized soon. May they get into growth back soon. Maybe, maybe somebody goes today at 1030 for the first time. Because the, the help us to help them to grow. I pray that the Lord will bless you pray that you'll walk with Jesus. I pray that you'll be filled with his love. I bless you in the strong and the mighty, majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's people say together, amen. Let's put our hands together to say thank you, Lord, for this great day and this great service. And please, come forward for prayer. Come forward for communion. We love you guys so much. And may the Lord continue to cause you to grow in your faith and in your hope and in your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus.